0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, amen. I wanted to ask you a question. Have you ever like met somebody who is really good at prayer? Like, I have a couple of people that I know. There were three ladies, they're all friends. One of them she went to heaven already. So now there's two left with us here and the other in paradise. Whenever like I hear about a big problem, uh, I get called to a big problem, I call these ladies and I ask them to pray anonymously, of course. They, they, one of them is overseas and one of them lives in another city in Canada. Uh, and so they're like, they're not like, they wouldn't know who it is, you know, but you know, like Tant, like there's this person and whatever and this and that, right, uh, you know, uh, it's family, and they're having a big problem, and they're thinking of, it's like, getting a divorce, whatever, do you think you could pray for them, and she'll say, like, yeah, sure, I'll pray for them, this and that, and uh, one of these stunts, like, I, I found out that that she is so uh, gifted in prayer, because I called her up one day, it was, like, around 10 in the morning or something, and I shared something with her, right, and then uh, I heard some other big problem that later that evening, and so I called her again at like four. And she sounded really quiet, so I was like, oh, sorry, like, auntie, did I, like, did I wake you up? Were you sleeping or something? She said, no, no, uh, no, I was awake, I was awake. And I said, oh, you see, your voice sounds really quiet. Or You know, is everything okay? She goes, yeah, I was, just, uh, I was just praying. And I'm like, well, what else did you do today? And she's like, uh... Uh, and obviously like I put her on the spot like she'd been praying for like 8 hours since the last time I called her you know so that's how I discovered that she is really really like, like a woman of prayer but like a whole different kind of prayer than like me and maybe some of you you know not to make any assumptions so I have to tell you I've always got curious to myself what do these people do when they pray for like 10 hours a day like what What can you possibly tell God for 10 hours in a day, right? And not get bored or God get bored. I mean, somebody's got to get bored, right? At 10 hours a day, right? So uh, one day I asked this Tante, I asked her, can I come over to your house and pray with you? And she said, sure. This was before I was a priest, right? And uh, so I went over to her house And uh, I felt like I was getting into, like, I felt like I was, like, going, like, to, like, like, ask the president to go into the Oval Office, or, you know what I mean, or to go into the Pentagon. I felt like I was getting, like, a sneak peek of, like, like, how, like, 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 how it's done, you know? And I was so excited. And, and honestly, praying with this woman was a delight, um, and uh, I learned many, 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 many lessons from my own life of prayer um, from from that encounter. I'm going to ask you, like, is there anybody you know? Like, if, if I had to ask you, who is the person that you know that is, like, the the best at prayer, the most fervent at, at prayer, right? Picture that person, okay? It may be, may be uh, like, a parent or somebody that you know or some saintly person that you know i remember um my uh my uncle who's now a monk uh, once told me uh come come I-, I have to introduce you to somebody i was i was traveling i was in egypt at the time he said i have to introduce you to somebody so he introduced me to this this little old monk uh he's still alive abun Angelo al antoni uh and uh I said hi to him, this and that, and so on. And he kind of told me that I was going to be a priest, and he told me all this stuff, right? And that was imminent, like, like it was already something that was in the works, but there was no way for him to know. And I prayed a liturgy with him, um, and there were like a bunch of us different priests. We were like maybe eight priests or something, including him. Uh, and when he came to pray, I promise you, I don't know what happened. I mean, it was a sunny day. But I just felt like the the whole altar was full of light. Like I didn't see anything unusual, but what I could see was so much clearer. I could see that I was in heaven. I could see that that Christ was enthroned on the altar before us. All of these things that like I couldn't see before, I could see them, not with my eyes, but they became realities that became so clear the moment he went to the altar and started to pray, and he's really old, so he's praying very slowly, there was no particularly beautiful hymn, like the music itself wasn't particularly beautiful, but it was just, there was something about his prayer. And if you've ever asked yourself, what is it about these people that makes them pray like that, you know? Okay, let's take it like a notch up, right? We talk, we we'll always talk about Pope Krolos as the man of prayer, right? Imagine if you could like be a fly on the wall one night while he's praying. Like he's praying all night and you could just be there and you could just listen in and you could just hear, you could just hear what he's saying, you know, when he prays. What does he say when he prays all night? Like he finishes, like, you know... Like the midnight prayer, the absolution of the priests, right? And then midnight praises. And then what does he do till the morning? You know, what does he say? And he does this like every day. So, how does it not get old, right? You want to take it one notch higher than Pope crollus Who is the greatest intercessor ever? The Lord Jesus Christ Himself, Right? And you, we can read his intercessory prayer in John 17. And I'm not going to do like a Bible study on, on John 17, although we could, right? But you'll find that Jesus prays for himself, his disciples and those and the, those who will believe fr- through his disciples in John 17. And his prayer, Jesus' prayer in John 17 is absolutely beautiful. But... Is that the only prayer? Is that the only prayer of Jesus? I tell you the truth, up until a while ago when I started reading about this, I I thought, yeah, that's the only recorded prayer of Jesus. He teaches us how to pray our Father. There's twice where he looks up and he says, Father, I thank you. And he says like a short blurb. Uh, You know that you have not revealed these things to the wise and prudent, but you have revealed them to, to babes and so on, right? But like like a longer prayer. I think John 17 is the only kind of longish prayer that Jesus prays that is recorded. Like it says like Jesus went up on the mountain to pray, but we don't know what He said when He was there. It says like before the transfiguration, Jesus prayed. But what did He pray? What did He pray that caused the eyes of His disciples to be opened to see Him transfigured, right? So, up until now, I thought that that was the only prayer of Jesus, right? Until I discovered something that I've known all my life. But I knew it wrong, so I, didn't, so I appreciated it. Forgive me for the poor English wrong, you know. I didn't get it. I didn't get it, so I didn't appreciate it for what it was. I want to speak with you today about some of the, what we call the prescribed prayers. Prescribed, like scribe written pre like beforehand so have already been written out beforehand so sometimes when you pray you know you just you pray our father to sign the cross whatever and then you just talk to God right which is fantastic and there's nothing to be said nothing, nothing to be said about that and they can give you some like directives about that but in general that's great but the church has set out for us some other ways to pray And usually, when people come to me, they ask me how how to pray, I give them many options. You know, I I give them an option of learning how to pray through song, learning how to pray, uh, how to structure your own prayers that you just say out loud to God, the Jesus prayer, uh, using silence as a method of prayer, and the Book of Hours, the Igbaya. And oftentimes, when I ask somebody, what would you like to learn?, the least chosen one is the Igbeya. And if I were to ask people why, I think the answer that I get most frequently is, is that there's lots of beautiful things in the Igbeya, Father John, but to be honest with you, I just don't feel like those words are my own, right? And um, up until recently, I had two answers for that, which are both true, but neither of them are complete, Neither of them are the best answer. And there are answers you may have heard before. One is well the, the 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 book of hours and the psalms in the book of hours are full of all different kinds of of prayers. Some prayers when you need help, some prayers of praise, some prayers of when you feel terribly alone, some p- prayers when you you know when you feel surrounded in fellowship like <laughs> they are they're really everything and anything and opposite ends of the spectrum and they're the words of God like inspired by the Holy Spirit through the psalmists but they're also the words of, like they're of, of humans you know like because they're written by, by by humans although inspired by God so for sure there's tons of stuff in there we can relate to and you're not going to be able to relate to everything at the same time you can't feel like lonely and be praising God for for great fellowship you know how beautiful is it when brethren to dwell together in unity and then also praying like, you know, about how terribly alone you feel like in the Psalms of the sixth hour that are like modeling the cross, right? You can't feel all that stuff at the same time, but it's all there for you. So as you become more familiar with it, if you, if you pray it regularly, you become more familiar with all these different Psalms and you'll kind of know what's your go-to Psalm for how you're feeling that day um, as, as you go. That's one answer I used to give people, which is true, but not the best answer. Another answer um, that that, um, that I also used to say to people when people tell me, well, I don't really feel like they're my own words, because I tell you the truth, most of the time, I don't really feel like they're my own words either, right? Right? Um, but how do I cope with that? Well, another thing that I started to do is I started to realize that, hey, I might be feeling the real blessedness of being in the fellowship of all you lovely people, right? But then there's all these psalms in the sixth hour about how alone like the psalmist is when he's writing them. And of course, he's like, you know, they're prophetic of Christ on the cross, right? So how can I pray that? honestly, genuinely, when I'm actually really thanking God for a moment of, of companionship and a moment of fellowship, how can I possibly say those words? Well, you know what? I'm sure there's somebody out there in the body of Christ right now who feels alone. So I'll pray the Psalms of like rejoicing for fe- in fellowship because that's how I feel now. I'll pray those Psalms genuinely like in the persona of myself and I'll pray those other psalms, which are not exactly how I'm feeling right now, in the persona of whoever out there in the body of Christ feels that way, right? So it's sort of like if sometimes um, I had a really good relationship growing up with my sister. So sometimes uh, I'd be in a really bad mood or she'd have had a bad day or something, um, and I'd be grumpy and I'd just be sitting there uh, and like like just you know, moping away. And she'd tell me, why don't we pray? And I'd tell her, I don't want to. And she'd say, well, how about this? How about if I pray and you just kneel beside me? Okay? And then she would, she would do that. And then she would start to pray as though she were me. God, I had a really bad day today. I got a really bad mark on this exam. And I'm really discouraged. And I was really counting on this exam to, to, to you know to help me you know with this and that and so on, and now i 'm really worried and i 'm really worried about my like application to this and that and so on, right, please God take away my worries and my burdens, and please, Lord, fix this what seems like the end of the world for me right now, so she would be praying like as though it was me who was praying, you know, and that 's called intercessory prayer when you when you like when you pray for somebody, you pray you know God help Mark. He has an exam, blah, blah, blah. So I'm praying for Mark. But when I'm interceding, I take the persona of that person. I become Mark, and I'm praying, me and Mark are praying, and I'm praying for Mark's needs as though they're my own. And when we ask the saints to intercede for us, that's what we're asking them to do. We're asking them to come and stand by us, to, to empathize with us, to come into our shoes and speak the words of prayer that, we really should be saying, but we're not saying, on our behalf to God, right? But that's also not the best answer. It's true that you can pray the Psalms for somebody else. Um, there's this uh, two two guys, they're roommates, um, really, really, really good guys. Um, and one of them, I think, started to to, to have some trouble in life and um, things kind of probably just started to go a little pear-shaped for him, and his friend came and spoke to me, and he told me, "Buna, can I can I say something to you? But like, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. Um, I'm not like I'm not like like judging or anything. I just for the well-being." So I said, "Well, uh, uh, okay." He said, "Well, I I feel like I should say something to him, like." You know, they're they're both excellent servants and they love God and they, they're always at church and they're always doing good stuff. And he says, I feel like I should say something. I feel like I should tell him. I should feel like I should try to correct him or something. And I don't know where this came from, but I just told him, well, why don't you just pray for him, whatever you would like, whatever you think he should be praying. So if you think, oh, like, it's evening and it's nighttime, we're going to bed and, you know, he didn't pray. You think, gee, well, he should at least pray like a couple of psalms or something. So why don't you pray those couple of psalms on his behalf? Say, Lord, let this be for so-and-so. And pray them as though it was him. Anyhow, he started to do that. No joke. Three weeks. Three weeks. And he never spoke to him. And everything changed. And his roommate came and uh, and 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 confessed and dealt with what he was dealing with and and... God really, really is so delighted to accept um, to accept us when we take on that role of intercession. But that's still not the best answer. That's still not, you know, I'm embarrassed. Like, like five years into priesthood, and that's when I discovered this, and that's why I'm so excited about. I'm so excited to share this with you because it completely transformed the Igbeya for me. Like, I discovered this five years after being a priest, right? is that the prayers of the Igbeah, or the Psalms in particular, they don't feel like your words in prayer because they are not your words in prayer. They're not your words. They're the words of somebody else. They're the words of God. They're the words of God in prayer. Okay, Abuna, sounds a little wonky, but like, so then why does God want me to pray them? Why doesn't he just pray them himself, right? I remember somebody, I once asking me. One, one, one young man came to me in spiritual guidance and said to me, Abuna, why does God want me to read him the Igbeya? It sounded like, why does He want me to read him this bedtime story? You know what I mean? It puts me to sleep, it puts him to sleep, Like, right? Why does God want me to read him the Igbeya? Right? Ask you something. Is Christ in his humanity present here on Earth? Jesus died, rose from the dead, spent 40 days with his disciples, ascended to heaven, sent us the Holy Spirit. Is, that, is Jesus in his humanity? Of course, as humanity's divinity are completely inseparable at all times, everywhere. Okay, we're not going to get like a, get all the, we're not getting all theological here, right? Right, we're just just talking plain and simple, right? Is is Jesus in his humanity present here on Earth? Yes or no? Yes. Where? Right here. He is the head and the church. We are his body. We are his body. We are the incarnate Christ here on earth. You and, our, you and I are called to live the life of Christ. You and I are called to. Minister to the poor. You and I are called to love the unlovable, to remember the forgotten, to, to all of those things, all of those things that Jesus did, you and I are called to do. But guess what? You and I are also called to pray in His name. And that's what it means to pray in His name. It means to take the persona of Jesus, the same way that Mark has an exam and he's worried about his exam and whatever, and I take the persona of Mark and I intercede for Mark. I say, Lord, we have this exam that we're really worried about. I take the persona of Christ because I am the body of Christ and I pray the words of Christ. Where am I going to find the words of Christ? Right here. I'll give you another example, okay? I'll give you another example. So, suppose we're praying a liturgy and we, the patriarch is with us, okay? Back in the days of Pope Shenouda, because Pope Twadra too young for this example, right? I mean, he's like, of course, he's like a, like older and wise man, but I mean, like, you need an elderly example. So, Pope Shenouda is really old now, okay? And he's, praying a, and he's praying a liturgy here in Canada or wherever, right? And he comes to the part where, uh, in the institution narrative, right, where he says, you know, like, and he blessed it, and he sanctified it, and so, and he gave thanks, and he blessed it, and he sanctified it, right? And he has to make the sign of the cross on the cup, and of course, because the Pope, so there's going to be, like, we need a lot of wine to become blood, right? So it's like this massive cup, right, and it's huge, and it's high, and, and, Poshunah's got older, he got shorter, so he's short, right? And so he's old, and he's like, it's a real reach, and he's weak. What's he going to do? He's going to turn to one of the bishops next to him. He's going to turn to Amba David, Amba Armea, that were always with him. And he's going to say, he's going to say, Asayidna, can, can you just support my hand, right? And the other bishop will come and hold his hand like this, and he'll say, right, and he gave thanks, and then he'll you know, right? And he blessed it, right? And he sanctified it. So it's Pope Shenouda's hand, but somebody is holding it for him, right? It's actually an actual fact, but this is from like a talk on the priesthood. It's actually the hand of Christ that the ordained priest is holding his hand. When When I pray the liturgy, I'm not the one, like when John Boutros prays the liturgy, it's not me who's sanctifying the gift. It's not me who is transforming the gift. Not having magical powers, right? It's Christ, and I'm holding His hand. I'm holding His hand, and He is, and He is the one who's doing. He's, he's whispering in my ear and saying, "Can I borrow your hand for a moment? So, so I can, so I can bless this." And I say, "Sure, Jesus." And He takes my hand, and He takes it, and He blesses. Right? In intercessory prayer, in praying the Psalms, that's what you and I are doing. Because honestly, when it says, "Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, and stands the path sinners, and sits in the seat of scornful," who is the only one who is blessed and never s- sits in the stands and s- stands or sits and sits scornful and stands sinners and all that stuff? Who's the only one who never, ever, ever, ever does that? Jesus. Who's the only one that that could be that that blessed man could be all the time? Jesus. Sure, when I pray that psalm in in the first psalm in the morning prayer, right, I, I'm I'm saying that almost as I'm almost t- like I'm almost asking God, like, may I be that blessed man? May it be, may today be a day where I don't, you know, walk in the path of sin sit in the seat of scornful, blah blah blah, right? But who who is the only one who that really applies to one million percent? Jesus, right? You can say okay, Abuna, but like there are psalms there are psalms that are pretty, like, like, there are psalms that are, like, pretty vicious. Like, Abuna, like, turn to, like, turn to, like, Psalm 1, 1, 1, 137 in, in in the Compline Prayer, right? Or 130, 136 in the Compline Prayer, right? And it says, like, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept, and so on. And the end of it goes, happy shall he be who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. Like, you know, like happy shall he be, and like other versions say, like 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 pulverizes your infants on a rock. Like it sounds like you know, it sounds like infanticide. You know, it sounds like genocide, really. You know, it sounds like what like Herod the king did in in Jesus' time. You know, like so, how can these? So obviously, these words cannot apply to me. Um. Uh. I, I don't mean like to me being the one who's smashed, but to me the one, being the one who's doing the smashing, right? Obviously, obviously these words don't apply to me, right? Obviously, they apply; they, they must be different, right? So, I took this example and I read a little bit about it, right? And the word "rock" here is the same word that is used because, like, there's rock, there's stone, there's all kinds of different words, right? Is the same word that is used for. The rock that was was struck by Moses and Aaron and brought forth water for the people in the wilderness. And the first time this word is used, this Hebrew word is used in all of Scripture, is in in the Book of Numbers, I think, chapter twenty-two, referring to referring to uh, the rock that brought forth water. And I think, and we we understand that rock to be Christ. Because like they would have died without water, right? So they would have died without that rock. So we, same as we would have, we would die without the rock, which is Christ, right? And the, 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 the children or the infants of Babylon, Babylon is like, you know, always symbolic of like the kingdom of the devil, you know? So the little demons, you know, the little demons and are, are smashed, are broken on the rock of Christ, that's, what, that's, that's how we spiritually understand that. This, of course, is not in any way to be understood as a, uh, you know, to, to, be, to be taken literally, to, you know, to go, whatever, kill the children of your enemies or something like that. Right? So imagine to yourself, like, like back to where I started, right? Imagine to yourself, Imagine to yourself that you are a fly on the wall while Jesus is praying. These are the words he's saying. But now, we're not in the realm of imagination. We're in the realm of reality, right? We're in the realm of reality. And the reality is, is that God has called you and me to be the... to be. Him to be his the incarnation of him, to be his hands, to be his feet, to be his tongue that is saying these words of prayer, okay buna sounds very nice how can how can how can I do this because like this this book's like like a hundred and ninety pages or something, and I can't imagine that i'm gonna um that I'm gonna read through it um like like, I'm going to get through all of it all in one go. I agree. If you are not in the habit of praying the Igbeya at all, I'll give you some I'll give you some advice, which I suggest you run by your spiritual father. But I'll tell you what I tell people who come to me for spiritual guidance. So if you have a spiritual father, take your spiritual father's advice. Don't take this... This is like generic advice, you know? Like, take the tailored advice to you, right? If you can get like a, a tailored suit or a tailored dress, you would take that over the one bought from like... You know Walmart. So this is like the Walmart advice, okay? Right? Uh, just generic, generic advice. If you don't pray, if you don't pray the Igbaya at all, what I would recommend to you is you might want to, if you want to write this down or not or whatever, it's up to you. I wanted to make like a little summary card for you guys, but I didn't have time. Um, uh, I would suggest that you pray our Father who art in heaven slowly, like just, like not, like just buzzing through it. And then pray what's titled as the Gloria in the prime prayer, which begins with, let us praise with the angels saying glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And it carries on. And then there's the Trisagion, holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal. And that that part just ends with our Father. So that's what I would suggest that you do. That's it. That's all. And if you do that consistently for a week, then I would add praying in the evening. And I would suggest that you pray. It's analog in the evening, which is the first absolution in Compline, which starts with, Graciously, O Lord, keep us without sin this night. Sometimes in my, in my version of the Igbe, it's called the first absolution, right? But it starts with, graciously, O Lord, keep us with, from sin this night. So I would, it's the same thing, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Like that. You know, praying sort of as meaningfully as you know how. And then that graciously, O Lord, part. And then the Trisagion and then our Father who art in heaven, and that's it. And if you do that for a week, consistently, every single day, then I would add praying around noontime. So around lunchtime, whatever that is for you, I would add our Father who art in heaven, and one psalm from the sixth hour, Psalm 69 in the Igbayim. So that's like step three. And then... Do that for a week. So now you've been doing this consistently for three weeks, right? Then I would begin, st- start adding one psalm in the morning, one psalm in the evening, one psalm in the morning, one psalm in the evening. And just add one thing per week. So one thing, like one psalm, takes like between 30 to 45 seconds to pray. Like it's really short. There are 99 sep- different psalms in the Igbeya. Like Psalm 69 is repeated like three or four times, right? But if you count it just once, there's 99 separate Psalms. So that means that if you did this consistently and you just stuck to it every single day, you you did it, so that that way don't if you're not doing it don't add stuff cuz then you'll just you're just making the bar higher and then you're not going to you'll get even more discouraged to do it right but it's really simple right like i'm talking like a minute a minute and a half of prayer in the morning and a minute and a half of prayer in the evening right like it's not it's not a lot to start with and then you're just adding 30 seconds and then add 30 seconds and then add 30 seconds and add 30 seconds like that right um and if you do that for two years in a row, every week just adding one psalm, you'll, you'll be praying the whole, the whole Igbeah cover to cover by the end of two years. Like, I know, I remember when someone said something like, similar that to me, like, like that to me when I was like 13, I think, or I was 14, I thought like, oh my God, two years, that's forever, right? But now, like, I'm in my mid-30s, right? Like, and I'm still struggling to pray, you know, so like, if I would have started and just said, you know, let's just be, let's just be consistent, let's just do little things, let's just take one little step, and stick to it, and and make this my offering to God, and it's really, really have that image in your mind, if if you like, where like I'm have I, I just had a a terrible exam and that story I told, I had a really bad day and I had a really bad everything and I'm and I really don't want to pray and my sister comes by my side and says, hey, come, let's go, let's pray together. And she prays for me, right? So, for whatever reason, because I'm too discouraged, I'm not able to pray, so she says, I'll pray for you, right? Now, it's sort of this, this is exactly the same thing, except you're the one who's going to Jesus. You're my sister in this story, right? And you're going to Jesus and saying, hey, let me pray for you, not because Jesus is too discouraged to pray, no, but because he 's ascended to heaven and he 's put you here on earth to pray for him. and that 's what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. It means to take, to take jesus 's words, to take jesus 's will, to take jesus 's intentions and put it into prayer. Now I 'm ask you something. If Jesus, who was obedient to the Father to the point of death, and not just any death, but the death of the cross, asks the Father for something, what wouldn't He do for Him? Like, what wouldn't He do for Him? He was obedient to the point of death, the death of the cross. When my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, who's really cute, says thank you to me, I'm willing to do anything for her. I picked her up from school today, and we're walking home, right? And she says, Thank you, Daddy. Right? We stopped at every toy store looking for a princess gift to get her today because, you know, I was, just, I was just over the moon just because she said thank you. You know what I mean? Right? Imagine if she's obedient to the point of the death, the death of the cross. What wouldn't I do for her? So, when we pray with Jesus' words, with Jesus' will, with Jesus' intention... For the things Jesus wants, there's no way they will be refused. And then you start to experience what those ladies that I started, started this, this talk with experience in prayer. They experience answered prayer. They experience that when they pray, there's an answer from God. Because they're asking for the very thing that is in God's heart. Right? Right? So that's just, I just thought I'd share that with you because I was just so, I was just so, so excited. I was just so excited when I discovered that there's a third reason why I should pray the words of of the Psalms even if they don't feel like they're my words because they're not my words. They're the words of Jesus that Jesus has given me and put in my hands through the church so that I could pray them for Him. I could pray them with Him. I could pray them on His behalf. I could pray in His name. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.